I was watching all the kids going out. I'm, I'm thankful that they're growing up learning how to sing, aren't you? And I also pray extra hard for those workers in there. And, uh, you know, I, this, this afternoon, you know, every once in a while on a Sunday afternoon, uh, my family will switch around kids, you know, like cousins will go to different places. And, and that happened today. All right. That happened today. And I was getting ready to leave. My wife had left just a few minutes earlier and she left six of them with me and everybody had switched around. All right. And the six of them, Samuel wasn't there. Evie wasn't there. Ellie wasn't there. Audrey wasn't there. Juliana wasn't there. I had uh, Benjamin and Titus and Micah and Jacqueline and Emma and, you know, and Faith. And I thought, this is a raw deal. And this is a raw deal. And, uh, you know, it was our tradition, usually a habit a little bit. We'll, we'll go and get a, was, I don't know how it started, but we'll go through and get a slushy on the way in in the summer. And I've skipped it a little bit lately, but then the three girls ran in there and they saw me and, and Jacqueline and, and Emma and Faith are all like, can we get a slushy? And, uh, you know, obviously I caved. And then we walked into the gas station. And I thought, what have I done? And I have six of them. I said, now we're not spilling anything while we're here. You make sure you get the lids on. We're not spilling anything. Wasted words, all right? Wasted, wasted words. And before I was leaving, I was cleaning up slushy. And so I'm praying extra hard for everything that happens in there, but really that my wife gets a little bit back of what she left me today, all right? That's what I'm asking for. And, uh, but Matthew chapter 29, if you'd stand with me, Matthew chapter 29 and verse uh, uh, 16. And I'm going to go back a little bit, kind of a little bit from this morning. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 19. There is no 29. And uh, there is no 29. I've added to the scripture. God says, don't do that. All right. And uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. I want to read the last verse first of this chapter, though. And I want to read the last verse first. And in verse 30, if you look at verse 30, it says, but many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. Would you read that verse aloud with me? But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. just want to preach uh, tonight on coming in last isn't all that bad. Coming in last isn't all that bad. Verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. As you know, this morning, this rich young ruler, Luke, would tell us that he was a ruler, a person of position, comes to the Lord and says, what can I do? First of all, he calls him good master. And the Lord looks at him and said, there's none good but God. I am either God or I am not good, but you've got to make a decision. I'm a good, either I'm good and I'm God or I'm not good and I'm a man, but make a decision. And then he uh, would come to him and the man said, what can I do to gain eternal life? He wanted to trade. What can I do? And boy, the world's trying to do something to get to heaven. And he was rich. He had possessions. He was young. He had time. He, he had position. He was a ruler and uh, he had some level of morality. You'll see this. He was known by the world as a good man, but all of it was insufficient, wasn't it? And the Lord would call him out in verse 17. Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. If thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto them, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? The man makes a statement. I've been keeping these. I, I have not been a murderer. I have not committed adultery. I have not stole. I, I'm not a liar. And he goes, I have honored my father, my mother, mother, and I love my neighbor as myself. And so now the Lord puts him in a corner. 
And Jesus says in verse 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He said, If you really love your neighbor as much as you say you love your neighbor, you would be willing to sell everything you have, give it to them, and follow me. He said, you wouldn't mind giving them everything you have. Obviously, the rich young ruler would then be worrying about he, what he was going to eat rather than his neighbor worrying what they were going to eat. And he was going to be worried where he would go to sleep rather than his neighbor worried about where he was going to sleep. The Lord wasn't encouraging him to buy his way into glory because it's impossible. What he was pointing out to him is the fact that you do not love thy neighbor quite like you say you do, and you're a sinner as much as anybody else is. And what you need is the Lord. And the man went away sorrowful. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. God said to him, as I mentioned this morning, he said it's easier for a camel to get through that eye of a needle. And an eye of a needle is a very small gate on the outside of a city. And when the gates would close at night, if a merchant came with his camel loaded full of goods and he would try to come into the city, he could not enter into the gate. They were shut for protection. But there was that small gate around the side, the eye of a needle. In order to get a camel through that, they'd have to unload that entire camel. That camel would pretty much have to get on its knees and, as I said this morning, scooch its way through. That very, very biblical term right there. It'd have to squeeze its way through. And the Lord was telling them, you're going to have to quit trusting in your wealth, in your position, in your time that you have, and in your morality. You're going to have to unload all of that and just simply trust me. Because all those things that you have in the first place came from God anyway. And so the Lord would then turn to his disciples, and when his disciples heard it, they, verse 25, were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? They stood and looked at the Lord, who can? Who, who doesn't desire to have a little bit more? Who doesn't desire these things? And, and the Lord would look at them and say to them, he said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. Then answered Peter and said unto him, behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee, what shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or fathers, or mothers, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Lord, I love you and I thank you for this passage of scripture and what it teaches us from your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak to our hearts, each one of us tonight. As I preach your word, give me the wisdom and the words to say and work in our heart tonight. Lord, we love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's a lesson on stewardship here and grace giving is, is the little bit of a mini series I want to teach here just this morning, the next, over the next few days or next few weeks. And, um, but coming in last isn't all that bad. In this passage of scripture, the Lord would say, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And, and he's talking about one who is first in the world and what others that seem to be last in the world. You see three characters stand out in this passage of scripture. We see the rich young ruler, we see the Lord Jesus Christ, and we see Peter and the disciples. And the rich young ruler comes to the Lord and says, Lord, I, what can I do to inherit eternal life? He knew that there was something missing from his life. He knew that as much as he possessed and as much as he had, a matter of fact, he was probably the envy of those around him, that there was something missing. He didn't have a relationship with the Lord and he had no eternal life. And so he said, what can I do? And the Lord would correct him, there is nothing that you can do for it. And would call upon him to give up everything that he had and follow him and just simply trust the Lord. And in doing so, he revealed to this man, you don't, you're really not as good as you think you are. 
and the man would walk away sad. And here are the disciples, and here are Peter and James and John, and the other disciples. I picture them standing with the Lord, and the Lord tells them it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in heaven. And they watch this rich young ruler go back home. And I picture Peter looking over his shoulder a little bit, and he's watching that rich ruler go back home. And that rich young ruler is going back. He, he's going back to his house, his opulent home. He's a wealthy man. Or maybe it wasn't opulent. Maybe it was just what people might consider rich, but not pilot level. But he went back. He was turning around. He's going home to his beautiful home. He was going back to his wealth. He was going home and he was going back to his position where others would praise him and regard him for what he had accomplished in life his positions in life, the things that he had earned in his life, and he was going back to that. He was going back to the time that he had, and just a young man, he would spend that time pursuing what he chose and enjoying the things of life. That's, that's where he was headed back to. People would say that he was a morally good man. He's a good man. He's, he's a good man. And he, Peter looked over, and, and something pricked his heart, and Peter looked over to the Lord, and human nature came out in his mind. Peter knew where are we laying our head tonight? Son of man doesn't even know where he's going to lay his head tonight. Where, will I, where, where, where are we going to sleep tonight? He knew that was a little up in the air. It often had been. What will we eat? Lord had provided, but it wasn't always a sure thing. Sometimes the Lord had to take a boy's lunch and feed everybody that was around him. What are, what are we going to eat tonight? Where will we eat? What will we sleep? And while others are... Man, while this rich young ruler is enjoying his lengthy vacations and everything he wants, he goes, we're going to be out in a desert place while Jesus preaches. Where's our time? Where's our home? Where's our position? And Peter asks a question of the Lord just a little bit, watching that rich young ruler go back to that. And he says to the Lord in, in verse 27, then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have, therefore? Lord, I'm watching while this young guy, this guy goes back to those things. And we don't have them. So what do we gain? What do we gain? Uh, maybe a little bit of a self-centered question that Peter asked, but the Lord responded to it graciously, didn't he? He responded to it graciously. Peter was taking everything that he had. He had forsaken all and followed the Lord. Now think of the call to the Christian to steward the resources of life. I think of the things that we get to steward. We, we steward our, our finances, don't we? God has entrusted us with something in our, in our accounts or in our wallet, whatever it is. We have our, our finances that we can steward. And he, had, he was using, he had, he had been willing to give up everything for the Lord. Just follow him and trust the Lord. His time, he had certainly given up his time. He had, he had forsaken all and followed the Lord. He had left his boat and left his home and left his family and began to follow the Lord. He was using everything that God had given to him. And there's a call in our, in our life to steward our time and to steward our talents and uh, the resources and the, the things that God has given to us. There's nothing wrong with possessing things and Abraham had much. And, uh, but to use those things for God's honor and glory. And, and, and we're called upon to steward our time, our talents, our, our, our treasures and our finances. I, I think of our family. To steward our family, the Bible says calls us to bring our children up in the nurturing and admonition of the Lord, and we're raising them for Him. Certainly to steward the gospel. 
to steward the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love how Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I mentioned it this morning, but stewards of the mysteries of God. The book of Corinthians reminds us that he's committed unto us the word of reconciliation and he's made us ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. He sent us out with a gospel into the world and to steward these things. And here's, here's Peter and he said, Lord, I've left everything because I believe in who you are and I've left all to serve you. What do we gain? I think maybe you've probably been there before. Most folks who have followed the Lord probably have been there. Asap was there. The psalmist of Israel would write in the book of Psalms and he would talk about, he looked at the, the blessings, if it, it, the apparent blessings upon the heathen and as awful as they were, that they seemed to have much until he went into the house of the Lord. <laughs> they went into the house of the Lord. And so the Lord graciously turns to Peter and he goes, and he begins to let him see a little bit of what he had to come. The world would look at Peter and James and John. These guys who had forsaken all and were now wondering what they were going to eat or where they were going to sleep. And when they needed to pay their bills or their taxes, they had to wait on God to send a fish with a coin in its mouth. <laughs> in the eyes of the world, they seemed to be maybe foolish. Last place. And the rich young rulers seemed to be first place in the eyes of the world. This is the man. He is a man of moral character as far as the world could see. He's a man of position and, and he's a man of, of wealth and he's a, he's a young man. He has time. First place in the eyes of the world. Maybe he could have made some recognition for who he was. First. And these fellows look to be last. And the Lord tells them in verse 30, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. He said, let me tell you something. It's not all that bad coming in last. It's not all that bad coming in last in the eyes of the world. And I will tell you, coming in last in the eyes of the world is coming in first with the Lord. It's coming in first. And I, and I look to what he would tell him, and the first thing we see is, Last place pays better. Last place pays better. 28, verse 28, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration from the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. Ye also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or fathers, or mothers, or wife, or children, or lands for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit eternal life. He said, I'm going to tell you about last place, the man who stewards his life for the Lord, who the man who recognizes that God is the creator and everything they have was given to them by the creator in the first place. The one who remembers the redemption that it was the Lord Jesus Christ who purchased them with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the one who remembers their purpose to live for the Lord and, and stewards their life accordingly. He will say this, that man receives a better payday. He said, this fella, he'll go back to his home tonight. He'll go back to his wealth tonight. He'll go back to his youthful time on this life. And he'll go back to his position on this life. But one day, it will all be gone. Vanish. One day, youth will be gone. One day, wealth will be gone. One day, position will be gone. One day, it's all over. He said, but I have something for you. He said, I want you to look ahead. I want you to look to the millennial reign of Christ. He would be crucified. 
He would die. He would rise again. He would ascend up into glory. And we would enter into the incredible church age where we live today, faithfully serving as they faithfully served in their day. And one day that trumpet's going to sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those fellows are getting up and out. Their bodies are going up. And then those which are alive in Christ shall ascend up and will be caught up together to be with him. And as we stand before him that day, we will receive the things that we have done in our body. The works that we have done, the way that we have lived, the way that we have stewarded our life. And he will reward us accordingly. Seven years after the tribulation, while that's happening, God would come and rule and reign for a thousand years. And guess where those fellas will sit? They'll sit on the 12 seats leading Israel. The rich young ruler's days are over. His, his wealth is past, his youth is gone. Certainly his position is faded. A matter of fact, friend, does anybody know his name? No name. Faded forever. But they receive a reward that lasts for an eternity. The Lord reminds us that stewarding what he has given to us pays better. It pays better. This world's things are going to be gone one day. That rich young ruler one day would leave this world and his wealth would be gone, his youth would be gone, his position would be gone. Certainly his morality would be shown insufficient and he would spend eternity separated from his God. But these men who had made the decision to forsake all and trust their Lord and follow him would reap an abundance for their faith and their following of the Lord. Coming in last pays better. It pays better. Pays later. This man had his payday. It was there. He's paid that day. His youth, his wealth, his position, his morality, what he had, he had. But God pays a better reward and he pays later. Verses 28 and 29 Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, he also shall sit upon the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes. He said, look ahead. Look ahead. God pays later. He pays better and he pays later. You know, don't try as a Christian to think that your payday is here. Do you know what we get down here? An expense account. That's what we have down here. What I have received in this life is an expense account for his service. I think of what the Lord says in Matthew. He says in Matthew chapter uh, 6, he would say this, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than the raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? 
Therefore take no thought, saying, What we shall eat, or what we shall drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, the lost world seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be what? added unto you. You know, God gives me the things in this life that I might serve him. My payday is way ahead. Friend, your payday is not down here. The time that God has given you, the finances that God has given you, the positions that God has entrusted you with, the things that God has given to you, they are expense accounts for his service. They are God giving you what you need to do his work in his time on this earth. And one day, one day, when we leave this world behind and we see our Savior face to face, payday. If we're not careful as a Christian, we live for the expense account. As a matter of fact, we get stingy with what God entrusts us because we think that's our paycheck. It's not my paycheck. Can I tell you, God gave you another day today. And if he doesn't return and doesn't call you home, he'll give you another day tomorrow. But that's just giving you, God giving you another day to serve him. That he will one day pay you for. God may take care of you financially through your labor that he's the Bible says he gives the power to get wealth in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He may strengthen you and, and equip you and all of those things, and he puts something into your account. What is that? Is that my payday? No, my friend. That is God giving me and equipping me for service. He's taking care of a roof over my head and the clothes on my back and the food on the table. And he's given me something so that I might give back to him, that I might send a missionary across the world or that it might finances he might give me might be used for the gospel's sake. But he's, he's giving me and he's supplying me. It's the expense account. I am his servant purchased with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the day of my salvation and immediately put into his service. And he has provided me with time and he has provided me with finances. He provides us with the positions he desires to have that we might have that we might serve him with what he has entrusted us it is not my payday down here it is our payday in glory the rich young ruler was living wrong the rich young ruler was living off his expense account he was taking from God my time my money my position and doing with what he wanted with life. And he was robbing his boss, doing what he wanted with what he had been entrusted and forgetting that, his, that the true payday is way in the future. I'll tell you something, Christian. God pays better, but he does pay later. There is something so much better coming. Now, not that God isn't good to us on this life. God calls us to his service, but he also blesses along the way. 
You know, we, we go through trials in life, but we also go through the blessings of God in life because God cares for his servants and he cares for those who labor for him. He goes, you're going to need shelter. I'll help you as you follow me. You're going to need food. I'll provide it as you go. Uh, you're you're going to need some, you're going to need this, this food, the shelter and this raiment. I'll, I'll help you along the way. Hey, sometimes you're going to need some rest because I know you got this physical body and I'm going to give you some rest and enjoyment along this life. I'm going to provide for you as you fulfill my will and my service. I'm going to give you an expense account to live life on this earth for me because I purchased you with the precious shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day, friend, one day when you step on those steep streets of glory and walk into his presence and we stand before his face, he rewards us for how we have stewarded his expense account. That's what he does. You have been a good steward. Think of what he said in the book of Matthew, chapter 24. And for the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents and another two and another one. To every man, according to his several ability, straightway took his journey. And he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that hath received two, he hath also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had five, received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering with thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there hast that is thine, his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye that unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God says, it's all mine. Here's some principles to remember when it comes to stewardship. Creation. There is nothing that we have that God did not give us. We are not the creator. We are the created. I hope you take what God has stewarded with you and you make much of it. The talents that he gives you, you, you strengthen. The time he gives you, you use wisely. The positions he gives you, you use them for his honor and glory because it matters to him. But it came from him. It's not yours. It's his. Redemption. If there's anything that you thought you had, he bought it with his precious blood. Ye are bought with a what? Price. Not corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Friend, you've been purchased. Every little bit of time that you thought you had, God bought. Everything about us, he purchased. 
purpose. He left us here in his service. He committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And God pays better. He pays better. There is no position that you can gain that will in any way compare in this life to what he has for you in the next. There is no reward you can earn or financial blessing that you can receive in this world that will compare to what he has in the next. There is no amount of time that you can spend down this on this earth doing what you want with your time that will compare to the eternity to come. There is nothing down here that compares at all to what God has laid in store for us. God pays better and he pays later. And the Lord is saying, it's, it's, hey, the first shall come last. The world looked at this man and said, that's a first place man. And God said, hey, Peter, it's better for you to come in last with me than first with the world. That's all going to be gone. Hey, he paid, hey, last place pays better. Last place Pays later, last place pleases more. I notice what it said there in that verse, verse 28. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have what? Followed me. Followed me. Thinking of Abraham in Isaiah and in the New Testament as well, in the book of James, he would be called the friend of God. Friend of God. There was a day, Abraham was in the land of Ur, the land of his Chaldees, the land of his birth, 75 years of age. His possessions and everything tangible, a man of wealth in the land that he grew up in. And God would look at Abraham and said, I've got a promise for you. I'll give you a son, I'll give you a land, and I'll make you a blessing. If you lead all of this and follow me. It was counted for, to Abraham for righteousness. He believed God. And he got up and left and followed God. And as he followed the Lord, not a perfect man, he would have his faults. He'd run down into Egypt. He'd take Hagar. But he would trust God, and his faith would grow to the point that he was willing to raise his knife and ready to sacrifice the thing he valued most in his son. And God would say of this man in his faith, that is my friend. He has pleased me with his life. He has followed. He has followed me. I think, Christian, it pleases God when we follow him. Pleases God. When he can look down and say, that one, he's got his priorities set straight. The world looks and says, hmm, coming in a little last, those crazy folks. Could be at home watching a playoff game, but they found themselves in church. <laughs> they could be spending that money and driving newer cars and having bigger houses, but they gave their tithes and sent a missionary somewhere. <laughs> they could have had so much more vacation and off time, but for some reason they just felt like they needed to serve someone they couldn't see. And the world says, aren't those fellas last. And God says, it's better to come in last with the world than come in first with me. 
I think of Peter standing there and looking back for a moment. He's going back to his home. I left mine behind. He's going back. I used to have a pretty good job as a fisherman, making a decent living. May not have been a man of wealth, but I didn't really want. And now I'm out here wondering what God's going to give us to eat next and where I'm going to sleep. And I'm wondering what's going to happen. And the Lord says, Peter, it's better to be here with me than over there with them. It's better. I think as I look at this, steward your life, Christian. Take this right here and realize anything you've got in the first place, God allowed you to have. You got a good job? Who gave you the health and the intellectual capacity? Why is it that you can go to work tomorrow and some will never be able to work a day in their life because of their physical capabilities? Why is it? Who gave you that? God did. Can I tell you something, Christian? Give generously. It's merely an expense account. Nothing here is mine. It's an expense account. In my service for the Lord that he's providing for me along the way so that I can serve him in this life and one day get my payday and enter into his presence. Serve generously. Why? Because, friend, any moment you still have breathing, there's someone who gave it to you. Now, this world says get as much out of life as you can get. See the sights. Live the experiences. Get it all. And God says, hold up a minute. Every moment I gave you, I gave you on the clock. You're in my service. Oh, it doesn't mean there's not time to rest up and get ready to go. But friend, we're in his service. Serve generously. Raise your family for the Lord. Raise them for the Lord. You notice what he said in that verse? This verse catches me. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Peter's family was back in Capernaum. I wonder if he's sitting there. That young man's going back to his home. The Lord, it's been a few days since I've been able to see my family. Well, I'm not saying to abandon your family. But some people are living for this. They're living to hold on. I was thinking this. I heard someone. I don't even know if this numbers are true or not. It sounds about right. I'll let you look it up later. But someone said, you'll spend 18 years with your children, getting to see them every day. But after the moment they turn 18, you'll get to spend one year out of the rest of your life with them. They'll be gone. Living their own lives, having their own family, one year year. And some people will raise their children to keep them with them. You know what the Bible says? Children are as arrows in the hands of a mighty man. Raise your children to lose them to the Lord. Because if you raise your children to lose them to the Lord, you'll spend all of eternity with them. But you know what? If we're not careful, here's what we're doing. We're trying to raise rich, young rulers. We're trying to raise rich young rulers, morally straight in the eyes of the world, 
They've got their wealth. They have their morality. They have their position. And they have time. And we see them all. It's better to be Peter on the road for Jesus than the rich man at home. My son Samuel, my oldest, is 11. I heard that statement, and I thought, my son's 11. Seven more years. I've had more time with him now than I'll probably get to have with him the rest of my life, in all reality. 11 years. If that statistic is true, I've spent more time with him already than I'll get in the future. And it seems to get harder and harder to wrap your mind around that sometimes. The older my kids get, the more the reality sinks into me. One day they're going to walk out. But when they leave me, dear God, let, me lead, let them lead me for him. When they walk out of my home, if they go to the mission field, may they go for him rather than some job or, and I'm, I'm all for job, friend, don't get me wrong. And if God has put you in your vocation, live it. That's where you should be. But I hope they're not doing it. So they can get more wealth, to have more time off, to see more sights, to have more possessions, and trade all of eternity for a few specks of time in this little life of ours. And the Lord looked, and he said to Peter, he said, Peter, I understand it. In your, your human perspective, and a little bit selfish mindset, you're looking at the rich young ruler, and he says he's got first, he's got everything. He's young, he's got time ahead of him. He has wealth, he can, he can live life as he chooses. He has position, he's a ruler and respected by the world, and he's somewhat of a good man. And, and Peter, you've forsaken all. It's been a few days since you've gone home to your wife and your family, and, and you don't know where you're going to lay your head tonight. I, I understand that, and, and you don't know always what we're going to eat. Now I'm promising you if, you, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you, I'll give you your raiment, I'll give you your shelter, and I'll give you your provision as you serve me in this life. I take care of my employees and my servants, but I want you to know my payday is better than the world's payday. What I have for you is better than this world will offer you. I'll give you a position that will never fade away in a, in a place that will never fade away. I'll give, you a, I'll give you the riches and the wealth of glory, a joint heir of the Son of God. He said, you think that man's known as good? He's just a sinner like every man. But I'll clothe you in my righteousness as you serve me faithfully with your life. He pays better. He pays later. And he is, it is better to please the Savior than it is to please the world. And I will tell you this, stewardship is recognizing this. We are not living for here because it is temporary and fading. We are living for an eternity. So friend, when you reach for your expense account in your pocketbook, be careful of how you spend it because this right here is how we serve our Savior. When you consider your time, consider not what you want to do with it first. Consider what your Savior would have you to do with it first. When you consider the positions that God has given you in life, do not consider what you want to be and what you want to accomplish, consider what God would have you to be and what he would have you to accomplish in his service. And don't be worried about your own righteousness. There is a better righteousness that is from the Lord Jesus Christ. Seek to be conformed to the image of his dear son rather than what is acceptable to the eyes of the world. He looked at this this friend and he goes, it is better to be last with Jesus than to be first with the world. Now there was some, I'm sure, even in the Pharisees, even in the religious world, would look at those fellas who left all behind to follow this Jesus. There's folks in the religious world who look down on those. 
who would forsake all to follow Jesus. But God said, Peter, you're first with me. You are first with me. Because you've made the right choice. Can I challenge you, Christian? Make the right choice. I'm not saying that God's called you to head to Africa after a missions conference. I'll tell you that God's called you to serve God in the vocation you're at. Steward your witness in this world. Are you sharing the gospel? He put you there on purpose. As sure as we're going to have missionaries lined up here in a few weeks, that God has called to go to a foreign field, he called you to this one. He didn't expect you to sit back in silence. He committed unto you the word of reconciliation. Steward the gospel of Jesus Christ. Raise your children to lose them to Jesus because if you lose them to Jesus, you'll never really lose them. You'll get all of eternity with them. Steward your finances. Steward your time. Because as the Lord would tell his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, friend, losing things of this life I'm going to paraphrase it, but you can seek to gain everything in this world and lose your own soul. But when you lose this life, you gain eternity. I'll tell you, friend, seek to lose it. Seek to give him as much of this as you can and steward everything he's given you so you can serve him more. Seek to serve him with your time. You'll never regret it. Seek to give generously, serve generously. Raise your family for the Lord Jesus Christ, not to be rich young rulers. Serve God faithfully, and you will find he pays better, he pays later, and you'll please him more. And you'll find one day, one day it's really not that bad coming in last place at least in the eyes of the world. Because coming in last place in this world is coming in first with Jesus. Use what God's given you. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the incredible passage of scripture we've just read, the incredible teaching you gave your disciples in it. Not for them alone. You left it for us today. Lord, I pray that as your Holy Spirit has spoken to each of our hearts that we would respond tonight. I don't know if it's a matter of giving of time or self or just trusting you. Maybe some people are looking over their shoulder like Peter did a little bit and saying, look what the world has. Maybe it's just a simple reminder, I pay better, that you pay better, Lord. I pray that as you have spoken to our heart, we'd respond. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you stand with me this evening? And as the pianist begins to play, the altar is open and why don't you do business with the Lord? And however you've spoken to your heart, maybe it's a thank you that you need to offer up to the Lord and... Maybe just saying, Lord, I want you to know I want you to have all of me. When's the last time you, you gave him your finances? Maybe just time to give it to him. Say, Lord, I, I know missions conference coming and all that's coming up. But my first consideration is what you have from me. I want to use it your way. Maybe it's your time. Maybe you've decided your time belongs to you. And in reality, any moment breathing, God gave you. When's the last time you let God be in control of that schedule of that time of your life? position. Friend, we can be in pursuit of position and accomplishment just so the world recognizes it. That's not what God's after. God gives position and desires accomplishment in our service for him and in line with his will. Not so that we can get some kind of accolade, but as God has spoken to your heart, do business with him this evening.